Development Psychology Podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to speak to you about jealousy and envy once again. And really the ignorance being the root cause of envy. The fact that you are oblivious, ignorant, unable to see your uniqueness, to be ignorant to your own truth shining through. And I want to come at this subject, therefore, from yoga, from Ayurveda, from the Vedic philosophies. I want to therefore remind you that the root cause of suffering is this ignorance. Making the mistake of believing that you are limited to the ever-changing aspect of yourself that we call prakriti, or we can just call it matter. I know as well, though, that telling someone to not feel fear, or to not feel jealousy or envy, to not be angry because there is no such thing as separation, for instance, is not helpful, especially in the midst of the emotion. I would even go as far as saying that this is the actual reason for spiritual bypassing. And that is very toxic. It is just as bad as telling someone that they're bad vibes, in air quotes, or negative energy, also air quotes, is not good for you, and therefore highly toxic as well. Mm, I need to get away from you because um, I can really feel like your bad vibes, <clears throat> not a good idea. When we feel envy, we are imprisoned, really, right, in a small version of ourselves. It's the small self. It's a version that is limited and not true in who we really are. And we are very focused, indeed, on ourselves. We're occupied with this space. But telling yourself that you are therefore being self-absorbed or telling someone else when they're expressing jealousy or envy that they're being self-absorbed is not going to be helpful. It is actually just going to push that feeling deeper down inside of you. If you listen to my previous episode, you know that the underlying emotion here is shame. When we come into comparison mode, we come into shame because clearly 
if there is a possibility to compare, it means that there is better than and less than. That feeling, meaning that there's not enough in you or someone else, is shame. So if you start to tell yourself that you're being self-absorbed, that you're being petty, when you have this emotion, is obviously going to enhance the shame feeling because, you know, how bad can you get? Can you get a little bit more bad by then also saying, not only are you experiencing this, but you're also self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. So please see that that is not the solution here. And like the saying goes, whatever we resist persists. The first thing we need to do is to recognize that we are experiencing the emotion. Once that is done, it is far more easy to then see that this is not true. And I'll get to in a minute how to get there, right? But this is like the procedure, if you will, the step, the three step, the five step, or whatever it might be, to um, freeing yourself from envy. But to come to the point where you see that it's not true is the biggest step that you have to make because this includes using your intellect because the intellect is what then will see and therefore choose to abandon the thoughts and the emotions that therefore are not true. So in this scenario, I want you to get the mental gymnastics of making a difference between your intellect and your thoughts and emotions, because I'm coming at it from the Vedic philosophy. It becomes far more easy when we see things clearly and we can dissect and select and discriminate through our intellect between what is an actual truth and what is affected by our thoughts and emotions. And when we can see that, it becomes easier to say, you know what, I'm just going to abandon this emotion. But let me put the emphasis once again on the spiritual bypass that so easily happens here. Do not try to move faster than your own experience. You see, you need to really experience something for it to be real for you. This is, of course, why it doesn't work to just repeat affirmations, for instance, that you don't really believe. Our mind is very clever and it will find all kinds of reason and excuses. So don't you know, get on your high horses and feel very righteous and start to use, you know, the spiritual uh, words and phrases because that would be bypassing. You will notice yourself, actually, when you're doing it, if you notice as well thoughts of judgment, judgment towards yourself, but very much of other people's behavior. That means that you're not actually allowing yourself to feel the envy that is there. It's interesting, I had a conversation actually yesterday with um, a person in consultation about grief 
and the sadness that can obviously exist inside of us while we're grieving. And we're so convinced on not feeling that sadness by finding ways to make ourselves feel a little bit better that when we come to a moment where we allow for the sadness to come to the surface so that we begin to cry and lots and lots of stuff come to the surface. Sometimes we get scared that we're perpetuating something. But what I would want to say is that if there was no more sadness yet left to, to process, to allow out, then there would be no need for those tears. So the tears don't come as a way for you to just perpetuate a feeling state. Those tears come as a release of something that has still been a place inside of you that's still active. And it's the same, therefore, with this feeling of envy or jealousy or anger or anyone else. Because if you notice that you're trying to be something else and that you're pushing this down, you will bypass feeling it and you will start to experience it in a different way. And the way you usually experience it in a different way is through judgment of other people's envy, for instance, or other people's behavior that you are being triggered when you feel because you're not allowing yourself to feel it. You have to see that the emotions are always just a perfect reflection of what your thoughts are saying, what's going on in your head. So if you are feeling this, it means that you're telling yourself a story. And that story that comes with envy and jealousy is a story of scarcity, of falling short, of being inadequate, and actually deep down of hopelessness. Why do I say hopelessness? I spoke about that as well in the um, previous episode. Because when we see something that we desire, that in itself just doesn't necessarily bring the envy. It is the conviction that we cannot acquire it that creates that frustrating feeling of the envy. And if we're convinced that we cannot acquire it, it makes us feel powerless. That is very uncomfortable and it is detrimental to our being. And powerlessness really kind of comes in as a best friend of hopelessness because hopelessness would be as well that we will never be able to acquire it. So if we can see that the emotion is there and that that is a reflection of what our thoughts are telling us and that these thoughts are therefore telling us that there's no hope, let's start with that. When you can recognize that how you feel is linked to what your thoughts are telling you, you can also realize that those thoughts are not necessarily the truth, but more so they're a manifestation of your current state of mind. To understand the power of just that realization is 
to understand that you have started to see what truth really is. The one truth that is very simple, you've heard it many times before, it doesn't mean though that you've necessarily believed it or experienced it, so taking it in for you personally. And that truth is that you do not have to believe your thoughts. You don't have to believe your thoughts. And so once again, I will turn towards the scriptures. And a very well described work from the Vedic philosophy that we find in the Yoga Sutras, that we find in the Ayurvedic procedures and principles in how to find balance and allowing for the true nature to shine through. Because this understanding is basing itself on the logic that there is something in you that is impermanent, which is the part that you identify with in terms of thoughts, because thoughts are impermanent, and you know this. But then there's also a part that is permanent. We would not be able to notice the fluctuation of what's impermanent if there was not something to observe that. And that would need to be the opposite, the contrast to it, which is something that is therefore permanent. And the suffering happens when you identify with the impermanent and you take that as permanent. If you will, when you identify as the wave of the ocean and believe that that is the truth of who you are, whereas actually what you really are is the ocean itself. If you can learn to see the impermanence of your thoughts, you can also work on them. When you are feeling envy and jealousy, you are believing that there is this lack inside of you that we spoke of, right? The fact that we can compare. That someone else has more than you or that something that you have today can easily be taken away from you. And the, the only way that either of these two fears would be true if then, if you're not leveling up to a certain level <laughs> of worthiness and the worthiness that therefore is in your imagined competition, you're placing yourself lower on the measuring scale because you believe that you need to be different in order to be on the same level or simply to be then enough. Enough to keep something that you have or enough to do something or acquire something that someone else is already having. There is a belief that you are comparable. And if you are comparable, well, it means that you are not fully unique. See, I touched on this in the last episode as well. But that is not true. Simply by the fact that your history can only be yours. It's a proof of your uniqueness. Can you see that? So if you see this truth, then we can begin to work on the feeling of it. So work on the experience of your uniqueness, experiencing your true nature. Have you ever listened to someone, the narrative of not feeling enough of someone else, and thought to yourself, how come they can't see what I can see? 
because you can see them more clearly than they can see themselves. And that's of course because they are oblivious to their own true nature. There is a matter part, which is the physical body, the thoughts, the emotions, the past experiences, the patterns that have been created throughout life. And that would still need to be lit up, literally, by something, by an energy source that makes us all alive. So two things are helpful here in when your intellect is coming to terms with what's true. The uniqueness in you, which is the matter part of you, but also the true nature, which is the part that never changes and that makes it so there cannot be lack. It's as if you, the eternal part of you, came here to experience growth or expansion. And in order to do so, you needed to see the world as a dual place. You needed to see things as having relationships to one another. And clearly, when everything is in relationship to one another, we have the tendency to begin to compare. So that is the nature of prakriti. That is the nature of matter. But it's not the truth. It is not the truth self. That is only the part of you that, let's say, would be the unique part that is constantly changing. Helplessness comes in in this idea that we're doomed to it. And that would mean that something could never change. Have you ever noticed that when you feel bad about something or when you're in pain, when you're sick, we suffer maybe due to the pain of this feeling or the experience. But actually the real reason we're suffering is the belief that things will not change. If we could only have the reassuring that things will change, then we would actually not suffer, but we would allow for ourselves to just move through the pain in itself, the sensation. So all of this work that I'm describing to you now is really what the Vedic philosophies teaches us. It teaches us to do this work as we take on the different rituals, I want to call it, the different procedures, the practices that allows for us to clear our intellect by seeing clearly the difference between what is ever-changing and what is not. So that when we are experiencing the true nature that shines through it, we can see the permanent part for what it really is. It is indeed the wave in the ocean, and it has its own purpose, and that purpose would be the expansion, the experiencing of humanness. But that true nature which shines behind would be the ocean, that therefore is the spiritual essence that allows for the human experience to exist. All of a sudden, when we practice this way of seeing ourselves, we become far more established 
in a balanced state of mind. So please see here that I am not telling you that seeing these things is what's going to take your envy and jealousy away. And this is what people often get wrong. It is not because you understand this on a theoretical level that that is truly going to do something about the emotion. No. Once you have come to this clarity, it is the practice behind it daily, continuously, that will stabilize you. Now, it will stabilize you in a calm mind, right? And the calm mind is the one that always finds the solution to a problem. The problem that comes to the mind when it's not in its balanced state. The problem comes when it's not in its balanced state because it is only in the balanced state that we could clearly see the solution. If we were in the balanced mind of state, there is no such thing as problem. So if you've ever heard that one as well, there is no such thing as a problem. There's only solutions. That does not help us either when we're caught in the unbalanced state. Do you see where I'm getting with this? Do not fixate so much on the solution itself, but the fact of progressively stabilizing your mind in this clarity, in this balanced state of being. Because as you are in the balanced state of being, you will no longer experience the feelings as a problem. You will no longer experience those thoughts as a truth, but instead as a manifestation of the current state of your mind, which is, more than anything else, not truth, but a signal that you have not been paying attention to coming back to balance. This allows for me to just repeat once again the beautiful words of Swamiji Abhishek, who was the one who taught me more in detail about the Advaita Vedanta through um, my teacher, Jinal. He said, friends, stay calm. Do not let anything disturb your calm. Nothing is worth disturbing your calm because the same mind that finds the solution to a problem is the same mind that find, found the problem to begin with. But it can only access the solution when it is calm and collected. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. 
And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Namaste.